Hi, Leslie. It was good talking to you on the phone earlier. As we discussed, Liz and I are interested in adopting two girls from Kyrgyzstan that we saw on the Project 143 website. We will be hosting them this summer and wanted to speak with you regarding the actual adoption process. The girls' names are Vika, age 7, and Nastya, age 15. Please let me know what our next step is to move forward on this application for adoption. We are hoping to move as quickly as possible. Thanks so much, Arthur and Liz Woods, March 14, 2016, two and a half years ago. The past two and a half years have been a faith journey for Liz and I. Our faith has been tested. Our patience has been tested. Our resiliency has been tested. Our trust has been tested. Vika, now age 10, and Nastia, now age 18, have been here in this room numerous times. Many of you have met them, spent time with them, but at the end of their visits, they always end up back on a plane to their orphanages in Kyrgyzstan, praying that one day they'll return to us permanently. Several months ago, we visited the girls in Kyrgyzstan, and we had a small apartment, and each morning, we'd pull back the shades of the apartment and look out the picture window as the sun was rising, and look out to the largest, most beautiful, magnificent mountains that I have ever seen in my entire life. Mountain after mountain after mountain. And as we would get in a car and drive to visit the girls, we would drive alongside these mountains. And they just kept getting bigger and more beautiful. And so I asked Ken if he would, sit, if he would play the song Do It Again before I came up to speak to you today. Because the lyrics in it, I've seen you move mountains and I believe I'll see you do it again. Every time I hear that song or sing that song, think about that song, I picture God just using his all-powerful, mighty hand and just moving those mountains of Kyrgyzstan outside of our apartment window. Because to be honest, in order for this adoption to happen, it's going to take a miraculous intervention on the part of our Creator, God. There's nothing that Liz and I can do. We need a miracle, and we need God to move the mountains out of the way, and so we trust Him. Whether or not we like the ultimate outcome, we're learning to trust God. And so as we continue in this Ablaze sermon series where life and scripture meet, it's been amazing to see how often this theme of trust has come up each week. Back in June, Randy Hunt preached a sermon called Trust Equation based on Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And one of the things that Randy and I share is that each of us consider this passage to be our life's verse 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. And as Randy guided us through these verses, only two months ago he showed us two different plans that we can choose. Plan A, trust God completely. He has limitless understanding. Or plan B, do my own thing with my own limited understanding. Plan A begins with me giving all of my heart to God. And plan B leads to fear, anxiety, doubt, anger, and so on. So today as we build upon what Randy began, I want us to consider some of the barriers that are keeping us from trusting God and some of the results of not trusting God. But before we do that, would you look at your neighbor and would you just say trust? He's got you. Say it to your neighbor. He's got you. Now, with real passion, really sell it to your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say, trust. He's got you. Now, with your best Australian accent, look at your neighbor and say, trust. He's got you, mate. Why an Australian accent? Not really sure. Um, it's one of the few places you can see uh, platypi in their natural habitat. So there's that. So if you forget everything I say today, at least walk out with this. Trust. He's got you. Okay? Trust. He's got you. But I know it doesn't always seem... That's simple. There are things about our life, there are things about our personality that seem to prevent us from being able to trust. I'd like to take a look at four of them this morning. Four barriers to trust, four things in our life that keep us from being able to put our trust in God. So if you would, let's turn to the book of Job chapter 1. If you don't have your Bible with you today, the ushers are coming forward. They'll be happy to give you one. Just slip your hand up. And if you don't actually own a Bible, please feel free to keep the one that they give you today. Job chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 13 today of Job chapter 1. And as we consider four barriers... To trust. The first one that I want to look at briefly this morning is our past. Job chapter 1, verse 13. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sabians attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. 
While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Verse 17. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the Chaldeans formed three raiding parties, swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword. I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons, your daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert, struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead, and I am the only one who's escaped to tell you. Skip ahead a little bit to chapter 2, verse 7. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, you are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we expect, accept good from God and not trouble? Curse God and die. One of the most troubling statements in all of Scripture, but can you imagine being Job's wife in this situation? Their donkeys were all stolen. And the, the servants were murdered. The sheep were burned up, and more servants were murdered. The camels were stolen, and more servants were murdered. And as if that wasn't enough, her sons and her daughters died. And as if that wasn't enough, her husband was afflicted with painful sores. In that moment, her ability, or at least her willingness to trust in God, was non-existent. The things that had happened to her were a direct barrier to her trust. You know, as both a, a youth pastor and as an advocate for adoption and for orphan care, I've seen countless children and teenagers from incredibly tough places. I visited orphanages in Romania, in South Africa, in Kyrgyzstan. I visited group homes, residential treatment facilities, psychiatric hospitals, homeless shelters, right here in the United States. I've worked with and supported teenagers and young adults with intense trauma in their past, who've experienced great loss, grief, abuse, neglect, poverty. There's one common theme that I see repeatedly among this specific population of young person. Their past has made them unable to or at least unwilling to trust God or the good people that he has put in their lives. 
For many of us, our past can be one of the greatest barriers to trust. I don't know what your story is, but is there something in your past that is keeping you from trusting God? A traumatic experience? A past sin? An unwise choice? Something that was done to you? Or maybe something you did to someone else? Like Job's wife, is something in your past or something that happened to you keeping you from trusting God and the plan that he has for your life? So to you, I would say this. Trust. He's got you. Trust. He's got you. You know, beyond just our past, there's a second barrier that is common, and that is fear. So often we allow our fear to get in the way of trust. Luke chapter 22, verse 54. Luke chapter 22. We'll start in verse 54. Then seizing Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance, and when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. Verse 56 of Luke 22. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I am not, replied Peter. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned, looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Imagine what it must have been like for Peter in those moments leading up to his denial of Jesus. He was afraid. Woman, I don't know him. Man, I am not one of his followers. I don't know what you're talking about. He was afraid in spite of everything that, Jesus, that Peter had witnessed Jesus do. In that moment, his fear kept him from trusting in God. During the many weeks we had little 10-year-old Vika in our home, we saw firsthand what it was like to have a child in fear. Many nights she made her way to our room, fearful of many things. And in those moments of fear, it was difficult for her to trust us or to even trust God. Are you currently in a situation like that, where your fear, whatever it might be, is keeping you from putting your trust in God? Are you currently in a situation like Peter where you are unable to trust God because you are afraid, because of your fear? What is it that you're afraid of? 
To you, I would say, trust. He's got you. He's got you. The third thing, the third barrier that becomes a barrier to us trusting the Lord is our comfort. Mark 10, verse 17. The rich young ruler. Mark 10, verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. Verse 19 of Mark 10. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these things I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. He had great wealth. Or another way to put it is he had comfort. He had enough wealth to provide for him the things that gave him a life of comfort. And here was a man who, as best as we can tell, was looking to put his trust in God. But when Jesus tells him he must be willing up to give, willing to give up his comfort, he walks away sad. Are we willing to trust God even if he asks us to give up our comfort? And he might ask us to give up our comfort? I mean, think about the things in your life, the things that make your life comfortable. Do you trust God to give up those things if he were to ask? Trust. He's got you. He's got you. Trust. Our fourth barrier, our desire for control. The fourth thing that keeps us from trusting God, our desire for control. John chapter 20. We know Thomas often by the name of Doubting Thomas. But if you read this passage here, there's also a very controlling nature about how Thomas acts here. This is a situation where Jesus was crucified, he was buried, he was raised again, and he began showing himself to the disciples Thomas had not yet seen. And so we get to John chapter 20, verse 24. And it says this, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my fingers where the nails were, and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. A week later, 
His disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here, see my hands, reach out your hand, and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord, my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Look at the controlling nature of Thomas here in verse 25. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my fingers where the nails were, unless I put my fingers where the nails were, unless I put my hands into his side, I will not believe. And a week later, he still didn't. How often do we try to control the situation before we put our trust in God? God, I'll trust you if. God, I'll trust you unless. God, I'll trust you as long as. We love control, don't we? You know, I see this in the kids that Liz and I are trying to adopt. They desire control. They need control. It keeps them from fully trusting us, and it keeps them from trusting God, and I get it. They have been controlled their entire life. But their need for control has become a barrier to trust. Do we do the same thing? Do I do the same thing? Is our desire for control so great that it keeps us from fully trusting God and the plan that he has for us? Like Thomas, do we need to control the situation before we will trust? Just trust. He's got you. He's got you. Trust. You know, these are only four potential barriers we're talking about this morning. There are countless more we could talk about here. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about some of the results of not trusting And as I see it, here are four potential results of not trusting God. Number one, missing out on God's goodness. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now let's make something clear here. God is good whether we trust him or not. God does good whether we trust him or not. And God can choose to do good through us even in spite of us. But when we don't trust him, we miss out on the blessing of being able to be a positive part, to hold a positive role in his goodness. And if we trust that God truly works for the good of those who love him, for the good of those who are called according to his purpose, we will experience the goodness of God firsthand. So trust. He's got you. He's got you. Second result of not trusting God is missing out on God's grace. Now let's just clarify something here. I'm not talking about salvation. 
in our moments of doubt, these times where we are questioning what we're putting our trust in, God is not in those moments removing his grace from our lives. If anything, it's in those moments when his grace is made most known in our life. But we are talking about God showing his grace through how he blesses his children. Psalm 84.12 says this, Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts you. Jeremiah 17, 78, 7 to 8 says, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. There's a connection between trusting God and receiving his grace through blessing. When we fail to trust God, we are potentially missing out on a blessing that he is anxious to give us. We are potentially missing out on a portion of his grace. So trust. He's got you. The third result of not trusting would be missing out on God's glorification. There's a correlation between trusting God and praising God. Glorified is God when we trust him. An overflow of trust is praise. Psalm 56, 4 says, In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, and am not afraid. Psalm 28, 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy with my song. I praise him. But I trust, Psalm 13, verses 5 and 6, But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Now make no mistake about it, God will be glorified with or without us. If we don't praise him, the rocks will cry out. But what a blessing to be part of the creation that is giving God the glory. When we trust him, we praise him. When we praise him, we give him the glory that he deserves. So trust. He's got you. He's got you. The fourth potential result of not trusting is missing out on God's guidance. His guidance, and that brings us back to where we started. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. When we don't trust we are potentially missing out on God's guidance. If we want him to truly direct our paths or make our paths straight, we should trust him. So trust. He's got you. He's got you. Trust. He's got you. As my wife and I continue to pursue adoption, 
This is the mantra we need to repeat to ourselves and the mantra we need to truly believe, trust. He's got you. And as we begin wrapping up our time together this morning, I'd love for us to spend just a few moments personally reflecting on four different questions. The first one is this. Do I truly believe that God's got me? It's easy to sit here in the service and look at your neighbor and say, trust, he's got you. It's easy to put on your best Australian voice and say, trust, he's got you, mate. It's easy for me to sit up here and tell all of you and me to trust. But do I truly believe God's got me? At the end of the day, when I walk out these doors, do I truly believe God's got me? And if not, number two, what barrier is keeping me from fully trusting God? Maybe it's something we talked about this morning. Maybe it's your past. Maybe it's your fear. Maybe it's your desire for control. Or maybe it's something different. What is the thing in your life that's keeping you from fully trusting God? The third question would be this. What am I missing out on as a result of not trusting God? Again, maybe it's one of the things that we talked about, or maybe it's something a little different in your life. How would you look different? How would your life look different? How would your family look different if you were fully trusting God? And question number four, what can I do this week to truly begin placing my trust in God? Is there an attitude adjustment that needs to happen? Is there a thought process that needs to be switched, a conversation that needs to be had? Does forgiveness need to be sought? What is it that needs to happen this week for you, for me, to be able to fully put our trust in God? As Ashley plays quietly, would you uh, just take a few minutes to think through and pray through these four questions. Job's wife didn't, didn't trust because of her past and the things that happened to her. Peter didn't trust because of his fear. The rich young ruler didn't trust because of his comfort. And Thomas didn't trust in part because of his desire to control. What is it that's keeping us from trusting God? And as a result of that thing, are we missing out on God's goodness, his grace, his glorification, and his guidance? Pray this week that God will remove our barriers to trusting him. Pray this week that the words of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 will become real in each of our lives. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your paths.
So trust. He's got you. He's got you. Trust. Go in peace.